from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 132. Today's show is brought to you by Casper, Squarespace, and Away. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Ciao, Mike. And Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you, Stephen Hackett? I'm good, Michael Hurley. So me and Federico pulled ourselves away from Zelda to be here today, so I think everybody should just consider how lucky that they are to have us yeah you're very fortunate to have me and mike in in the podcast instead of yeah. you know lost in the lands of hyrule uh, it's so good right like i, I will I, say I, oh. since the two of you unboxed your switches our iMessage thread has been noticeably quieter <laughs> like i'm just I'm sending just like, stuff to you leave me alone <laughs> yeah it just goes into the abyss you haven't seen the other iMessage thread that mike and i share with john Voorhees. uh We've we've been talking about you know the the Nintendo Switch. We just you know how it, to how to make runs at the castle. You know like all the equipment that we need. It's a very different kind of thread going on over there. Yeah, yeah but for me sure. and Federico will be uh, doing our review on Remaster uh, later on this week. So go subscribe to Remaster, and then me, Federico, and Shay, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Switch. If you are interested oh, yeah. in finding out more, that's a good place for that. That's what they call follow out, kids. It's good. It's pre follow out. It mm-hmm. doesn't exist yet. Free follow out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I uh, am very much on the fence about purchasing one, really only for Mario Kart once it ships in what, April? So yeah. uh, I may end up with one to play Mario Kart with my kids. Because yep. we have a Wii in the house. I don't know if you guys know this. Someone gave us a Wii, like just randomly, it showed mm-hmm. up at our house. And uh, we've been playing some stuff with the kids. They really like Lego Batman. Uh, so we've been playing that. Those games are so good. They're, they are good. Our two-year-old, though, really wants to play with the other kids. And so what we have done, and one day he will hear this maybe and be upset with me, is we have given him a Wii controller that's not actually hooked up to anything. So he thinks he's playing oh, no. uh, with the other kids, but he's really a not. parenting masterstroke right there. That is freaking <laughs> genius. <laughs> so one time uh, about 10 to 12 years ago, uh, when, when, I, when I was a teenager, um, we, me and my friends at the at, at the glamping area. We used to get mm-hmm. together at my at my house and play uh, with. Uh, it was either the PlayStation Two or the GameCube. I don't remember. So uh, you know, we were teenagers. We were you know um, just n- not a lot of preoccupations. Let's say. So w- one afternoon we're playing uh, with the Pro Evolution Soccer. You know the soccer game. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it was PlayStation Two, definitely. So w- there was this guy that we didn't like. And he uh, was a very peculiar character. Um, so we fooled him into thinking that he was playing one of the teams. Um, but actually, the controller was not hooked up to anything. So <laughs> it so was the computer? Uh, no, it was another guy actually in the back <laughs> with another controller. <laughs> so we told him, look, your your team A, for example. And he was really upset for five minutes uh, because he couldn't win. And it was like, the, the, the players are not moving like I want them to move. So I was crying in, in just laughing. It was amazing. Uh, but yeah, doing that for children, Stephen, is a, is a whole another level of cruelty. Comes so, from, no, I job. think it comes from a different place. I'm not sure it's a cruel place. Yeah, it's not <laughs> cruel. It's I want no children to be screaming. And if he plays, then all children are screaming. So Yep. All right, so let's do uh, some follow-up. Last week, I rather foolishly and rashly promised that I would use Mike's beloved Gboard for one week, uh, and I have put together some some thoughts on this. Uh, I will say, as we discussed, that iOS is doing a lot better job today than it was a couple years ago at not um, 
failing around mm-hmm. third-party keyboards. So I never once had a situation where I just didn't have a keyboard. That used to be real common in the early days. Um, I have noticed a couple times if I was – so I had Gboard and I had the Text Expander keyboard. And sometimes it wouldn't remember which one was the default. So I'd like re- go to reply to a notification or something and it pop up Text Expander instead of Gboard even though Gboard had priority. Uh, but all in all, far less buggy than I remember it being uh, last time I tried this. And Gboard itself is really pretty awesome. So like you said, Mike, there's emoji and GIF search built right in. Like you can just tap and very quickly find something as opposed to the iOS emoji keyboard. You're like scrolling back and forth trying to find the thing. Um, You know, even on the Mac, Apple has emoji search. It's like crazy to me that it's not on iOS. They Mm -hmm. really, I think, need to do that. Um, And they're, they're already like halfway there with the Emojify feature in messages. But even then, like... You have to type a word and then hit the emoji button and then the word turns orange. Like it, it could be better. Um, and having GIF search is really nice because, you know, putting GIFs into things uh, is always fun. But I will say that especially with iMessage, and we're going to talk about iMessage apps today, uh, having Giphy and then, um, you know, other like GIF services keyboards or uh, apps makes that faster. So the the GIF search is cool in Gboard, but not as necessary as maybe it once was. Um I will say the voice dictation I found a little confusing at first. So uh, it has Google's like excellent voice dictation built into the keyboard, but you you tap the button and then it swings you into the Google or the Gboard app, and then you record in there, and then you when it's done, it puts you back into wherever you were typing. So it's it's a little bit of a switcheroo, but the dictation is super accurate. If you haven't really ever played with Google's voice dictation, like go like install the Google search app and try it. It is uh, really, really good. It's really hard to confuse it. Um, and, uh, in my experience has done uh, a better job than iOS has. And Apple's voice dictation is actually pretty good. It's better, I think, than, than some of the stuff Siri tries to do. But, uh, but all in all, I will say like Gboard is great. All these features are really nice, but years of muscle memory on the iOS keyboard and, uh, years of kind of learning and it learning me, is really hard to give up. Where I appreciate that Gboard's things like autocorrect are potentially much smarter than what Apple's doing. It it has taken some getting used to um, that sort of new set of corrections and, and ways that it thinks about things. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, like I've been using it for a week, I still feel sort of slow on my iPhone in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, at this point, I, I'm not sure I'm going to stick with it. I'm probably going to give it another couple of days and see. But uh, it's great. It's a really nice alternative. But I'm afraid that like years of muscle memory are just going to to overcome uh, all the good stuff in Gboard. It's interesting. I, I don't recall feeling that way. Um, but I've always been weird with this sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm pleased that you can see the merits in it at least. And I hope that more people will try it. There's a few people that, that wrote in to say that they were going to give it a go as well. I, I think it is a, it is a good alternative. I think it's better in some ways. It's not as good in other ways. But I think that, as, as you said, that the situation for a keyboard to be good now is easier than it was before. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention in the chat room is asking about is the swipe typing. So if you're not familiar with this, basically you can use your thumb or finger and basically instead of picking up your thumb and typing on each letter, you can swipe and basically stop on the keys. And so it can be much faster, and it, it uses all of its intelligence to like figure out what word you meant. Um, 
I disabled it on Gboard very quickly no. for the same reason that no. But let me let me get through this. Uh, for the same reason, I don't use it. I haven't used it elsewhere. Is that 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 sort of motion for me is extremely uncomfortable over oh, time okay. and, and even painful uh, after a couple of days. And uh, that may not be as bad on smaller phones. I mean, I am on the Plus, which is a bigger phone. But I find that sort of um, that sort of motion, for whatever reason, just really makes my thumb and hand uh, uncomfortable. So that's a shame because that is my favorite feature, right? Like it's the reason that this stays in. And it is super. It's super fast. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it just uh, it just doesn't work for whatever reason. The, sa- the same reason I think that the. Um, you know, uh, Mike, you and I both tried the Logitech uh, MX Master Mouse, which has a horizontal scroll uh, control on the mm-hmm. side of the mouse, and that's it's that sort of that same sort of motion, and that just killed me. And I went back to the whatever this one's on my desk, the Performance MX. Um, so that just doesn't work for me for RSI issues. But if it does work for you, and you've never tried it, like swipe typing is incredibly fast, and once uh, you sort of learn some little tricks with it, you can you can really fly through stuff and um, it's great for like one-handed use. But for me, just personally in my situation, it doesn't really work. But uh, if you haven't tried it, like that alone is worth trying out something like Gboard, I think. I agree. Well, I, it's a shame that you can't use that because I think that that is, especially for people with the larger phones, that's the like the winning feature in my opinion. Um, it yeah. does surprise me that Apple has never built this into the iOS keyboard, like the, the standard too. iOS keyboard, because it really is a very smart way of doing things. And, and it's much easier if you can handle it uh, to do this with one hand when you're on a bigger phone uh, than, than trying to reach all the way across the keyboard, because it has a really good way of guessing what it thinks you're trying to, to type based upon where your hand's moving. So it's very cool. To- totally. And it, it may be that... Uh, Apple doesn't feel like it has that sort of intelligence at this point to to do that where, where you know, Gboard obviously does. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine, too, that's something where crowdsourced data comes in handy that, you know, if people are, are, are swiping the word Federico a certain way, then it can learn that and it can make that better. So, um, yeah, so all in all, like, I like Gboard. I think you're right. It's, like, the, the best alternative out there. Um, and if I don't stick with it, like, don't, that's not a huge blow against its credibility. Like it's a great option. Yep. Uh, so moving down the list isn't really isn't really follow up, but I wanted to just to mention it here. Um, it is the springtime, so it is always the time for your favorite podcast and websites to be making t-shirts. Um, and so I've got a five twelve shirt up. It's the first one I've done. I did I did one when I went independent a year and a half ago, and haven't done one since. Um, so this is a new one. It's uh, all about the iMac G three. Uh, Forgotten Towel did the artwork, so it's amazing. And if you follow the link in the show notes, there are both EU and U.S. options. So if you are not in the United States, the EU options may be a lot cheaper as far as shipping. The colors available are a little bit different in each campaign. I can't do anything about that. Um, But if you are not in the United States, check out the EU link. It may be a lot more affordable to ship from there. Or it may not be. Just uh, check out both. so I just wanted to to mention that. Thank everyone who's done a shirt so far. It's always nice um, uh, to have those have those out there. Very nice shirt. Thank you. Um, up next, Twitterific has been oh. funded on Kickstarter. Wow, this jumped a lot since yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as of this recording, they're at eighty one thousand uh, dollars. Today is March seventh. They have eight days to go. Um, so they they've reached that first level. They, as we talked about, they have a Stretch goal of 100000 to add things like direct messages 
and a bunch of other stuff I think should be there, but isn't. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm hoping they get to 100,000. I backed this uh, early on. I would like to have uh, this client be full featured. So things mm-hmm. like direct messages, uh, uh, lists, built-in Twitter search, um, uh, built-in viewer for user profiles. Again, like I don't understand how some of the stuff wasn't in their $75,000 plan, but uh, I guess that, that ship has sailed. Oh, uh, it got on Darren Fireball yesterday. That explains it. Uh, that did it. Um, so yeah, so hopefully they hit the 100000 goal. Uh, it's nice now that uh, you guys talked about this on Upgrade a little bit yesterday, but now that it is funded, I think there'll be people who feel more comfortable backing it. Um, so if you haven't backed it yet and you're a Mac user and you want a good alternative to TweetBot and don't want to use the first party Twitter app because it's not super great, uh, go check this out. I think it's going to be. I think it's, I'm excited. I'm excited that I've backed it. I'm excited to start seeing the betas at some point, and uh, I'm glad there'll be some competition in that space. Uh, what else? What else, my friends? We have um, Apple Pay. So Apple mm. Pay is now uh, in the land of uh, Ireland and coming soon to the land of Vitici. Yeah, it's coming to Italy. Uh, the web page has been updated. Apple has officially said uh, there's a you know a coming soon uh, label, and they have confirmed the three banks that are going to be supported. There's a Unicredit, which is one of the biggest uh, bank groups in Italy, and there's a Carrefour Bank, which is I think it's also in France, and Boon, which is this payment system that basically creates. My understanding is it creates a virtual credit card. I think it's supported in a bunch of countries, and it wasn't officially supported in Italy. There were a bunch of um, articles last year on how to create a boon account in Italy with a with a fake US, you know, mm, or UK method, I think. Uh, I never I never followed the procedure. Uh, so now in theory uh, Apple Pay is also going to launch with boon in Italy. Now I'm very happy to see this. Um I'm not so happy about the fact that uh, some of the other major banking groups are not going to be supported in the uh, in this initial rollout including my bank, which is really um one of the top 3 banking groups and it's not included uh so on the one hand i feel like this is a repeat of other apple pay launches and apple is gonna add other banking institutions but i've also been you know i tweeted this morning and i and i and i've been talking to people uh on twitter you know today after the this announcement and a lot of folks especially in france uh, spain i think also australia they complained about the fact that uh, after the initial launch, the Apple, Apple and the banks, they couldn't come to an agreement on the terms, on the licensing fees. And so even after a year, a full year after the initial launch, the supported banks are still the same ones. So in my tweet and in my link on Mac Stories, I said, it's fine, I'm going to wait. But even if I wait a full year, there's a strong chance that Apple won't work out the details with the Italian banks. And so we, like France or like Spain or like Germany, I think, will be stuck with the same banks for another 12 months. So in some European countries, the situation is a bit different from the US, where Apple is rolling out, you know, 20, 30 institutions every couple of weeks. Um, it's different in Europe. And, I, and I, I'm pretty sure it's because Apple, you know... The, basically doesn't want to agree with the banks on on uh, their terms. So I'm happy that it's happening. 
I don't want to change my bank. So a lot of people said, just change your bank. And no, that uh, is not yeah. an acceptable solution to this problem. When you have, especially when you have a business, and you know when you're when you're dealing with payments and wire transfers coming from a bunch of places, going to a bunch of places, uh, you don't want to change your bank just because yeah. of Apple Pay. This Boon thing might be good though, right? Because it's not really a bank. So this boon thing might be a good solution. Not necessarily because I want to be the guy who goes to the Carrefour supermarket and pays with Apple Pay, right? Not just because of that, but mostly because of payments in Safari, you know, on the on the web. And that's why I want yep. to use Apple Pay, because I feel safer, because it's going to be easier, because it uses Touch ID. You know, all of those benefits of Apple Pay in Safari, that's what I want to use. Not because I want to go to H&M and be super fancy and pull out my phone or my Apple Watch, because anyone, everyone is going to look at me, you know, with that look on their face anyway. Uh, so Apple Pay and Safari, that's what I want. And maybe I should consider this boom system. Uh, but there's no details on the Italian launch on the website. So I figure we're going to have to wait for boom as well. You're always fancy when you go to H&M. You don't need Apple Pay. Thank you. But, uh, it's, you know, every time you try to do, even in Rome. So Rome is a big city, but it doesn't have big city habits. You know, like when you go to London, for example, you t took me to the tube and it was so modern, so civilized, uh, you know, compared to the metro in Rome. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I can only imagine I go to the store in Rome and I pull out my phone and everyone is going to make fun of me. So because we're in Italy and, you know, maybe it's a problem in Rome. Maybe it's slightly better if you go to Milan, which is, I feel like, has more of a European city vibe than Rome. Um but yeah, I, I mostly want to use it for Safari. And when I go to London or when I go to the US. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah I've definitely run into to places. So I use it um, at Walgreens and Whole Foods on a regular basis, like usually at least once a week, if not more. And it is funny sometimes. It, it happens less and less, but um, occasionally I'll get I'll get a look when I do it. Um, but I, I don't do it with the watch. I know, I know a lot of people really like that. I do it with the phone. I feel like the watch is a step too far for kind of the same reasons you said that like there, sometimes there's social awkwardness around it. Um, but it is really nice in Safari. So I'm a Chrome user, have been for a long time. Um, but we, we recently added it to the membership program at Relay. And, uh, I wanted to, you know, kind of, it's really the first time I've ever used it. Kind of wanted to understand how it works, so I went there, did did a, a, a purchase on it, and um, it really is great. And especially if you have a Touch Bar enabled Mac, but even if you don't, it's so integrated with with your other devices that it's really fast and really pretty awesome. And so, you know, Apple Pay is one of those things we don't we don't talk about it a lot. It's sort of like quietly there in the background, but I think it, it really is gaining steam out in the real world. And as more countries get it, as more banks get it. I mean, I waited over a year before my credit union added it. And I didn't switch banks for all the same reasons you just said, Federico. It's just it's just a nightmare if you have a business. But it is nice now that I have it. I'm glad that I do. And I think that Apple will continue to push forward on it and I think we'll continue to see advancement in it, uh, even though it doesn't necessarily garner headlines all the time. So I'll just say, like, for me, because I'm in a land of privilege when it comes to... Um having chip and pin and contactless and stuff everywhere, right? Like the UK payment system is made for something like this. If I'm right. paying for something that is under 20, 25 pounds, I use Apple Pay on my watch every single time, no matter yeah. where I am. <laughs> I remember. I saw you do yeah. that. And I it do it great. when I get on the tube. I used to get on the tube when I'm buying coffee. Uh, like we have a, a store, like a, a, like a supermarket, like a small supermarket in our building, in the, on the downstairs floor of our building. 
Whenever I go Wait, down there, seriously? Pick, yeah, this is a very normal thing <laughs> in the UK. Like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> like big, big apartment buildings have like a a small like. Oh wow! Like what you know, like like a, like a chain store, like a big supermarket yeah. store, but like a small version of it. But so it yeah. has all the essentials in it, like a mini market. Exactly, that's that's the word. Nice. I'm looking for. So when I need to buy anything from there, I don't even take my wallet. I don't even take my phone. Oh, I just man. use my watch. I don't need it. It's brilliant, and I use it all the time, all the time. And I do get the occasional look, but it's usually people saying that they think it's cool, like the, the people at the check are like, "Oh, look at that!" Or like some the usual phrase I get is, "Oh, the future, huh?" And I'm like, "Yep, that <laughs> wow. future, that's <laughs> sick burn. <laughs> it's right now." I don't really know what to say to stuff like that, but people aren't trying to be mean. Like they are, they tend to be very interested, like because they've either heard about it or they've never seen it before, but. There, there just isn't that requirement that there seems to be in other countries where, like, these terminals have to support it. If there is a terminal that has contactless payment, it will support Apple Pay 100% of the time here. Like, and, and I think it's great, so I use it all the time. It's awesome. So I yeah. hope that you both get the this, and I hope, Federico, that it comes for you uh, soon. But yeah, I, it's funny because you're going through the exact same thing that Stephen went through and then I went through. Where, like, it launched yeah. in our countries, but not our banks. Yeah, and I yeah. and I just wanted to to kind of um, note how it's not necessarily my problem about like the social awkwardness. It's more of the Italian mindset of I know if I use Apple Pay at a big store where when there's a big line and the equipment is gonna fail and it's not my fault, but because I'm the guy with the phone, like oh look at this guy, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna get in an argument with the people behind me accusing me of breaking the system with my fancy iPhone, and I don't want to do that. You know, especially because some people, especially in you know in Italy and especially in Rome, have a tendency to kind of um, want to cause a scene, and and I really don't like that, and I really don't like that. Uh, so I try to stay away from you know getting into public arguments uh, when mm. waiting in line at the store. So. Yeah. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Hey, if you're in the UK and you've heard me talk about Casper before, but I thought, I can't get a Casper because I'm in the UK. They only deliver to the US and Canada. Well, let me tell you, dear friend, that now Casper delivers to the UK as well. So let me tell you all about it. Casper is a company focused on sleep that has created the perfect mattress that it sells direct to you, the consumer, eliminating those commission-driven inflated prices. Casper... Offers adaptive pillows and soft breathable sheets now in addition to their mattress, which is an award-winning mattress. It was developed by Casper, by their team. It has a sleek design and is delivered in an impossibly small box. The Casper mattress is made of supportive memory foam and it's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. And its breathable design helps you to regulate your temperature throughout the night. Casper's uh, mattress has uh, an average review of 4.8 stars from a bunch of online reviews. They have over 20,000 reviews that the Casper team have counted. So it is a loved mattress. And it's probably because it's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. Casper's makes quality mattresses. They are designed and developed in America at great prices because they cut the cost of having to deal with all of the showrooms and also take that hassle away from you Two. Buying a mattress of Casper is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the US, Canada, and now the UK as well, with a 100-night home 
trial. So this means you go to Casper, you choose the mattress that you want, you choose the size that you want. They'll send it to you in a box that's easy to get upstairs and easy to get into your home and get through the corridors and the like doorways of your house. You open it up, you let it breathe, it sucks in air, comes to life, and you get to sleep on it. In your bed, in your sheets, in your pajamas, you get to sleep on it for a 100 nights to make sure that it's right for you. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands how important it is to actually sleep on this thing before you commit to it, especially because you're going to spend such a long time, so many nights sleeping on your mattress. So go check it out. You get a 100 night home trial. And because you're a listener of this show, if you go to casper.com slash connected and use the code connected at checkout, you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase. And if you're in my native homeland, that is 50 pounds. So there you go. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show. So last week, we spent a ton of time talking about a rumor that the Wall Street Journal will put out there that seemed to indicate that the uh, next iPhone, the fancy iPhone of the three, will be getting a USB-C port. And we were talking a lot about what that would be and what that could look like. Um, our friend of the show, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, from KGI Security. Is he? I think is he, he is friend? now. We talk about him every week. They're, they're like okay. third right. per person on the show, you know? <laughs> Fourth, fourth, sorry, there are three of us already, fourth person. <clears throat> anyway, uh, and <clears throat> they wow. published mm. a, uh, a note to say that uh, based upon what he is aware of, uh, that the next iPhone will keep the lightning port, but will have the adoption of USB Type-C power delivery. So fast charging, like the iPad Pro 12.9 will have. Mm. Mm. See, I wish I, I made the point last week, because it... it sounds so obvious now uh, that Apple has done this fast charging on the iPad Pro and now it makes sense to bring that technology to and that kind of benefit to other devices. You know, Quick Charge, which is a Qualcomm standard on Android phones, is amazing. You can, you know, fast charge a Nexus 6P, for example, in like, I don't know, less than an hour, I think. You can go to 70% in just a few minutes. It's usually like 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's, am- it's amazing, right? Yeah. And, it, and it sounds amazing. There are external battery packs with Quick Charge, and you don't get those benefits on the iPhone because Apple does, you know, standard lightning charge. But fast charging on the iPad Pro, I mean, I did an entire article um, last, uh, last year, is amazing. You can get to 80% relatively quickly. And it makes sense to have that kind of benefit to, to the iPhone as well. Now, the bigger problem here, I think, is if Apple changes, you know, the default cable, so the cable that you get in the box from a USB-A connector to a USB-C connector, that's probably going to be a, uh, you know, a problem because, you know, airplanes, they have standard USB, they don't have USB-C. Mm-hmm. Yep, I ran into this exact problem a little while ago when I was on a sleeper train to Glasgow and yep. I took my charger with me. I just picked up a charger that was from the drawer and it turned out it was the USB-C one. Um, and then I was like, Okay, I'll just plug. I'll just plug it in when I when I get on the train. Um, they didn't have plug sockets, but they had USB A sockets, and then I had nothing to charge my phone with. <laughs> so yeah, exactly, you know. But I do for all of the same reasons we were talking about last week. Right, this is still a thing that, that is interesting to me. Right, like I would like the fast charging. Um, I would like to see USB C just eclipse USB A uh, because it is a better connector. But I am. I am a little bit disappointed that we we might not get to the world at least this time around where the iPhone goes to USB-C because mm. uh, the more I think about it, the more that's something that I want. I mean, we we went through the, uh, I think, a fair good list of pros and cons 
for USB-C on the iPhone uh, last week. And now, according to Ming-Chi Kuo, it might be that Apple is kind of, you know, edging towards the we should not do, we should not ditch lightning uh, kind of side of the debate. Um, and I think it makes sense for, you know, the reasons that I outlined last, uh, last week. There's an entire ecosystem of lightning devices. Apple changed, you know, uh, gave even more importance to lightning last year with the iPhone 7. So it makes maybe more sense for Apple to go there. But I should say, um, I've been buying also primarily because of the Nintendo Switch. A lot of USB-C connectors, battery packs, uh, chargers, cables. I'm trying to go USB-C everywhere, and it feels amazing that you know I can just pick up any cable and it fits and it charges quickly, and I don't have to think about it anymore. And I would love to have the same experience on the, on the iPhone, but I feel like it's never going to happen because Apple likes to do its own thing. I just feel like it was possible to live that kind of, you know, t- tech life to just, you know, one cable, one standard, and you're good to go. Sounds like it's not going to happen with Apple devices, which makes me kind of sad. I mean, I understand, but it also makes me kind of sad because it's, you know, everyone likes to not worry about connectors, uh, but we have to. So, yeah. Does it make sense what I just said? Yeah. I mean, I love USB-C. I understand why Apple is doing Lightning. I just wish, you know, life was different. That's my... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, either end of the cable they change will lead to change, right? It'll be all the stuff we talked about last week, or it'll be stuff we're talking about now, where USB-A has kind of become a universal power outlet in a lot of places. And um, so, so either way, this will bring change right like how many cars have usb a jacks in them like my, my car has two uh side yeah. by side and yeah. um so th- there's 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 pain either way for me if they don't do this um if they don't put it in the phone but they they put it on the other end of the cable and it allows for fast charging and stuff like that would be great fast charging is really nice uh when i went from the 12.9 back to the 9.7 inch ipad pro that's one thing that um uh that i miss and uh, so I think it would be, you know, an evolutionary step to have that. Um, um, my my guess is after a week of reflecting on this and this article and some other things is that uh, Lightning is here to stay at least for a little while. I think all the reasons to move to USB-C are still valid. But my guess is that this is not going to be a, a 2017 thing and that it may be uh, a little bit a little bit slower than that. But, um, I mean, either either way, like you know, people will be uh, cranky about it. And that's just, I think that's fine. I don't think that keeps Apple from doing anything, but I think it's uh, something that, you know, we'll have to deal with in our lives. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the iMacs. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I, I finally got around to reviewing my 27-inch 5K Retina iMac uh, this past week. I've had it since the fall, but I wanted to spend some time with it before writing about it. Um, this is the computer mic that that you use. Uh, you have one that's one generation older than mine. So I have the the P3. Like today's we record this, this is the new you know the current iMac, uh, the late um, what is it the late 2015 model. I have late 2015. Don't throw that hate on me. Sorry, sorry. Psh. Yes, uh, you have the 2015. This is all very yeah. confusing because the year I change have and the Apple last one that came out I bought because it was the second generation, the 5K Retina display. That's what I got. So, so we we both have the late 2015. So we both have the wide color uh, gamut. But a lot of our friends uh, have these machines. Jason Snell has one. He has the first one before 
the wide color display. Um, and I feel like a lot of people I know who are kind of making things for a living have one of these. Marco has one. Uh, the Syracuse's have one. Um, I think Merlin's got one. It's it's a, it seems to be a very popular option among people who uh, still use a Mac uh, at their desk. I mean, of course it is. Because the there's no one. other good option. <laughs> it's the only one. There isn't another one. Right. So I talked about this in my review. I think I talked about it on the show even that if there was a Mac Pro that was viable, I I would have probably purchased it. Um, but there wasn't. And so I bought an iMac. And I'm really happy with the iMac and, and we're going to get into that. But if you want a modern, powerful Mac, it's kind of your only option. <laughs> Like, I was using a Mac Pro, right? And I would probably still be using that Mac Pro if it didn't go bad on me. Right. And that complicates things, right? Not only are they old, but they had a bunch of failures, including the one you had, which was sadness. But I, and, and like, because basically for me, I just want the most powerful machine that I can get for what I consider to be a relatively fair amount of money. So like sure. I, I'm, I use an iMac because it is the most powerful modern computer that I can buy. Like that is realistic for what I want to use it for. Like and a Mac Pro just isn't. Right. The, the Mac Pro still outperforms the iMac, but you're buying something that um, has not been improved any mm-hmm. ever. I mean, now going on, you know, three and a half years. So it's um, th- that's a real sticky situation. I know some professionals. Um, uh, who do a lot more video stuff than than what you and I do, who are kind of in a really bad situation where they're still using cheese grater Mac Pros. And I know one guy in particular needs to upgrade it, like he needs to replace it. And he just feels completely hamstrung because he's not going to buy a trash can Mac Pro, uh, especially for the, the money. Um, but his cheese grater is like literally falling apart in his hands. So it, it's it's not a good situation, but um, uh, uh, we're not going to fully go into that today, of course. Um uh, I did want to talk a little bit about refurbished Macs, and I was very curious if the two of you uh, have ever purchased like a refurbished Apple product, uh, no. and if so, uh, which ones? No, no, never. No. Sorry, no. never. We're no good so why for not? you here. Just so why not? Never, never wanted to. Like every time I've I've bought a new computer, like I've been in a situation where I would want even the newest thing. Or like I was okay for the extra couple of hundred dollars or whatever, you know. Like it wasn't. Sure. Uh, or like just you know, I, w- whenever I've gone to buy a new Mac, if I'm not buying it like immediately when it comes out, I take a look at the refurb store. Um, but a right. lot of times, the, the savings aren't incredible. So yeah. you know, it's, it's not something that I've done before. Yeah, I do. I do the same. It's actually, you know, I prefer to save money for longer and buy something that is new. Because I don't like the idea of having to deal with something that has been owned before, and you never know what happens. You know, I, I've I've used own, uh, pre pre owned cars for ten years, and this year I just I saved money for several several months, and then I bought a new car because I, I was fed up with the idea of this car has problems. Is it because I did something, or is it because you know someone else before did something to this, mm. to this car? So that's why I don't use I don't buy used products anymore because I want to be sure. That whatever's going on is either my fault or you know a factory problem. Sure, yeah. and I think that I think those are both super fair reasons. That uh, on on the refurbished side, you, you there may not always be exactly what you want. In fact, this machine has one thing that um, there's one uh, spec that I that I bought that I wasn't super thrilled with, but I went ahead and did it um, for the for the savings. But uh, and I think too, like there's a lot of a lot of truth to the idea that like this has been owned by somebody else. Now, Apple 
when they refurbish a Mac, um, it comes out of the box as new. Uh, anything um, that so so when when you return a product, so this iMac assumingly was purchased by somebody and then returned. If it was returned for a defect, uh, my understanding, at least when I was there, and now it's been a long time ago, is that um, defective machines, uh, depending on the defect, were not refurbished; that they were broken down and recycled, and and machines that were just returned for a change of you know change of heart or something like that uh, would be in the refurbished pool. And I don't know if that's still true or not. If you know, write me an email. Um, but they. But most importantly, they warranty them as new. So that comes with a year warranty. You can buy Apple Care for them, which I did, because um, an iMac, like, I can't do anything. I can't open it. So anything that goes wrong with it, Apple's going to have to open. So I wanted Apple Care on this particular uh, machine. Um, so uh, I agree with both of you. I think there's are good reasons, but I think they're, they're good counter reasons as well. Um, I did it uh, for. Uh, for the savings. So even though the company bought this, um, I wanted to to be able to, to spend as little as possible to get really a machine with a terabyte SSD. That was my number one spec. Anything less than that on my work machine is just a lot of juggling. And that's a very expensive option. And so I wanted to help offset that desire with with saving on some, some uh, other things. And so I ended up with an i5. I really wanted uh, an i7, but I looked at the refurb store for a while and one didn't pop up. So um, I went with the i5. And in, in all honesty, I've never been in a situation, even in Final Cut or in Logic or in uh, Adobe Audition, which I'm slowly uh, switching to, that I've ever said, oh, man, I really wish I'd done the i7. Like I, I've never felt um, slighted by that that option. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But um, I think that uh, the experience is so good um, that the – uh, the, the warranty situation is so good that that I don't mind it. It's not my um, it's not my first refurbished Mac, but I don't always buy like my MacBook Pro. I bought new, um, but I think it's a nice option to at least like Mike, like you said, like if you're going to buy a computer, um, at least like stop by there and see if if something works for you. Now, mm-hmm. I've never bought a refurbished iOS device, never bought a refurbished iPod, uh, only a couple Macs here and there, um, but it's a good option if you're not if you're not familiar with it. Um, but I, I, what I really want to get to today is what does the future of the iMac hold? And I know Federico, you have lots of thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just waiting for the right moment to interject. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been joking uh, off air that, that Federico needs a new computer, so maybe this new iMac will be for him. Um, sure. So uh, the late 2015 has what Apple would now call legacy ports. You've got USB three. You have Thunderbolt two. Uh, clearly, those will collapse into USB-C Thunderbolt 3 ports, like on the MacBook Pro. Uh, I do hope that they keep the Ethernet and the SD card uh, reader that the the iMac has had forever. It would be kind of silly to get rid of it. Like it would yeah. just be spiteful because it's there's there's so much space back there. There's no yeah. need to remove those ports. You can't even see them. Like it would be. Uh, that would be very, very disappointing to lose those, to be honest. I, I think it would be inspired. And you can see in the review, one of the pictures I took from behind the iMac is it sits on my desk. And like, if you're out the cables and I yeah, I don't see anything. I don't see any cable clutter. It's all behind the screen. Um, and I use the Ethernet jack, even though I've got wireless in the studio. Um, I prefer a gigabit connection. But I think those Thunderbolt and USB ports will, you know, collapse into uh, USB 3, you know, USB-C Thunderbolt 3 ports. Um but, uh, you know, I, I think this next iMac, you know, maybe even as early as this month if Apple holds an event, will be very evolutionary. We'll see those ports. Uh, we will see KB Lake. We will see a better graphics card. 
Um, but I don't I don't expect Apple to reinvent the iMac this year. Um, mm-hmm. Or really, maybe ever. It's been a very stable design. Really, really since like the G5 days when they first put the guts behind the display. And they've slowly been refining that now for like 10 years. Yeah, it's just been making it slimmer and then changed the material. Like it's, it's kind of, you know, there hasn't right. been, there was, there was a divergence, you know, every now and then, but it's, pre- it's pretty much been the same kind of, you can see the lineage Concept. of the design, right? Like it's totally. not like when they went from the G3 to the G4 to the G5, like they were completely right. different. But but look at me, I know all the G's now. Uh, look at you. Spending too much time with you, and now look, mm-hmm. then, uh, this the kind of since then, since we went to Intel, like you say, it's been effectively the same design. And, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon. I think I think one reason it's the perfect design for this computer. Yeah, like it works great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the rumors have been the idea of an iMac Pro. So if the Mac Pro were to go away or Apple to replace it with a beefed up iMac, you know what would that look like? And there are a bunch of things that the Mac Pro has, even in its decrepit state, that the iMac does not. Uh, first and foremost, you got the Xeon processors. It gives you more than four cores. Um, it gives you uh, substantially more headroom when it comes to processing power. Those, of course, take up a lot more heat. They, they require a lot more power. They give off a lot more heat. And they take up more space. That the, all three of those things the iMac doesn't really have to give. Uh, it also has uh, error-correcting RAM up to 64 gigs. The current uh, iMac tops out at 32, which is what I have in mind. Uh, HDMI out, second audio out, and, and the big thing, the other big thing is the second GPU. And the GPUs in the Mac Pros are really tuned for like OpenGL computing type stuff. And the iMac uses, um, you can get a nice video card in it. I mean, it's not a, a, a gaming card like John Syracuse would 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 point out, but it is for most people a, a perfectly viable solution. So really the, the Mac Pro is much more than it just being faster, that it has more professional parts. It is exponentially more flexible. And I just don't know if the iMac design would support that sort of system. Now I am not a hardware engineer, but I can look at the Mac Pro, even the trash can, and look at all the cooling that is in there with that big fan and the thermal architecture and I can look at my iMac and say, well, those two things, like, I don't know how they go together. Even if they were to return to the old thicker aluminum design uh, before 2012 when they made the edges thin and the the back of it is thicker, which is sort of silly, um, but it looks nice from the edge. Even with the, if they went back with a, with a flat back, I just don't see how they put Xeons in this chassis. I, I, and more importantly, I don't see them spending the money to basically – recreate the iMac to reinvent it to to have a new design and call it an iMac Pro like why not take that money and effort and fix whatever's wrong with the trash can like I'm a, I'm the the further we go the more I believe the next Mac Pro will not be a trash can that there is something inherently flawed in that design they've been unable I mean at times they've been unwilling they did skip a generation or two seemingly on purpose but seemingly unable to update that design for whatever reason. And, and my my assumption has been that something in that design makes it impossible to update uh, for whatever reason. And that if we see a new Mac Pro, that it will not be structurally the same as the, the trash can we have now. That it, it Maybe they use the same external case, but the insides are way different. Maybe we see a new case. But I think something has gone horribly wrong. And if that's true, then why spend the money on like kind of taking an iMac and making it worse as opposed to making a Mac Pro with everything uh, Pro users want. See, see what I'm saying? Like, I, there, There's a tension there, and I don't see Apple 
tipping in favor of uh, let's make an iMac worse and put a Xeon in it. Why do you think, um, though, that they would spend the money on a new design or fixing the trash can design, but not on adapting the iMac design? Well, I, I think I think there, there are two things. One, I don't know, and again, this is where like I'm just a layperson, but I don't know if even if you made the iMac thicker, I don't know how much thicker, I don't know how much um, larger an iMac would need to be to support things like Xeons and EEC right. RAM and the GPUs required. So it may be that that's, that's a fool's errand anyways. And we're going to get into a minute, like what if Apple gave up, gave up some of that stuff? But I think if they are committed to having those features, then ultimately a case design designed for those features makes more sense that shoehorning them into something that was designed for an i5 or an i7 um, may not be the right answer. Lots of assumptions there, right? Like this is fun conjecture hour unconnected, but it's something that um, I struggle to see how it would work out the other way. So what do you think then? Um, I mean, I think, I think a couple of things could happen. I think that, I mean, obviously like the Mac pro could just go away and you're told to buy an iMac and tough luck. Uh, I think if that were going to be the case, it would have already happened. Like why in the world is it still for sale three and a half years later? Um, I think there's a middle ground where they could say, uh, you know, uh, the iMac still going to have an i7 in it. They give up the Xeons, they give up EEC RAM, which would make you know a lot of professional users upset. Um, but maybe they they move to like external GPUs over Thunderbolt three. Uh, Thunderbolt two supported that. There are a couple of car, cards and chassis you can buy for that. I don't think they ever really took off. I think they were always kind of buggy in in Mac OS. They would need to really put their heart into it and make it a viable option. But they could say, hey, you can buy an iMac, but if you need a lot more GPU power, then you can go buy this external GPU. Put in this case we designed or that we partnered with whoever to make. And it gets you like halfway there between where we are now and the Mac Pro. I'm not sure that's super Apple-like. Like, I'm not sure that their solution would be buy a breakout box. This seems sort of uh, very un-Apple, very un-Johnny Ive to like put another box in your desk with a cable running to it. But is that the company that would work with OG for a monitor? I mean, who knows, right? Like, <laughs> who? and then who didn't uh, quality check it against Wi-Fi? Like, who knows? I mean, we're... Mm. This is all like kind of out there, but it's a possible route. Mm-hmm. The, and then the third one is that they replace the Mac Pro with something. So I just don't know. I just don't know if how important this is to Apple. I don't know how important it is to their their product line where they want to go with things. But the idea of Apple just taking the Mac Pro guts and putting in a thicker iMac, um, I think that is a super problematic route. And I'm not sure that it would even work or that it'd be worth it or even that uh, users would accept it you know um there are there's a big case for having uh a you know external displays and having multiple of them and and not having your computer in your display like there are pros who want that sort of modularity Mm -hmm. and uh now of course a lot of those pros have given it up already right because a lot of us have moved to imax like mike you and i and people like mark are like we are the the we are the customer for the mac pro right like we're not developers but you and i are in professional applications all day every day rendering audio rendering video and 10 years ago, we would have bought a Mac Pro, like hands down, because the iMac was not a professional option. But the iMac has started to skew upstream. Like the, If you buy the cheapest iMac and the most expensive iMac, they are vastly different machines. They look the same, but they are vastly different as far as their capabilities. And that is has, is a relatively new thing in the Mac line. And so yeah. you have some pros that are okay with the iMac, but you still have some pros who 
for whatever reason, want or need those things that are, have been reserved in the Mac Pro bucket for so long. And those people, this is not new, it's not a new concept, but those people are are, are understandably worried. And I think holding out the idea that Apple's going to make an all-in-one for those users, I'm just not sure I buy it. This week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code WORLD at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create the website for that next idea that you've had rattling around in your brain. And with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates and more, they are the place for you to put your thoughts out to the world. Maybe you're looking to sell your physical or digital goods. Maybe you have a portfolio that you want to display to get that job that you've been looking for. Maybe you want to create a blog to share your theories about what Apple's going to do with the Mac Pro. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do any or all of those things. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. They take care of all of that stuff. Squarespace have got your back. They have 24-7 award-winning customer support. If you need any help, they'll be there. They can get you through it. Don't worry. They let you quickly and easily grab that unique domain name to give yourself the brand that you've been looking for. And the award-winning templates that you can take advantage of for your site are very easily customizable with their WYSIWYG page building system. And they all feature responsive web design, so your site is going to look great on all devices. Squarespace is perfect for you if you have an idea and you just don't want to deal with putting a website together. Maybe you've never done it before and you don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're someone like me. I don't know how to code a website. Who knows? Or maybe it's for the person in your life who you don't want to have to support anymore with their website needs. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up right now with no credit card needed for a free trial. Just go to squarespace.com. Then when you do decide to sign up for a plan, use the offer code WORLD and you will get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for Connected. We'd like to thank them for sponsoring this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So I've been reading this article by uh, Adam Howell. Um about the iMessage App Store and how uh, Apple is not doing enough to promote new sticker packs, to promote new iMessage apps, and how the user experience of the um, of stickers in iMessage in iOS 10 is really slow and could use some improvements. Uh, I've been uh, rereading this article again because I, I kind of I disagree with some of the points that uh, that he makes, and I actually agree with uh, with a lot of them. Um, so I, and I kind of wanted to to ask you guys about your use of uh, you know the iMessage app store if you use iMessage apps and you know and so forth. But before we get to the questions, um, I wanted to say where I disagree. So if you read the story, it, you know Adam makes some iMessage uh, sticker packs, so he knows what he's talking about. But I partially disagree on the point of Apple not doing enough curation and. Basically, uh, the Disney sticker packs being the only thing that Apple features on the on the front page of the iMessage App Store. I mean, Disney as a as an advantage over other companies because one, they have one of the most recognizable brands on the planet. Uh, but I also feel like they are they totally understand. They completely nailed the idea of making sticker packs on the iMessage App Store and asking people to pay up for them. Um, Disney has a couple of dozen sticker packs, maybe more, and they're all uh, so they're all sold at different price points. So from ninety nine cents to two dollars to three dollars, and you know you can find uh, you can find this huge catalog of stickers with Disney characters. But it's not just that they're 
kind of taking PNGs from their popular, you know, franchises and sticking them into iMessage. They're actually redrawing them and, you know, making uh, stickers with expressions, with animation. So they're actually optimizing their characters for the iMessage App Store. And of course, they tend to be, you know, floating up in the top charts because they had this opportunity. And unlike other companies, such as Nintendo, for example, they completely went for it and they're reaping their rewards. But that said, I feel like uh, Apple is doing a good enough job with curation. So we we run a weekly section on our um, newsletters uh, for members. And one of the sections is uh, it's called The Album, where we highlight some of our favorite secret packs. So we browse the, the iMessage App Store inside of Messages every week. And uh, and I feel like maybe not as often as the full iOS App Store, but at least twice a week. Apple launches new sections, Apple features new sticker packs, new iMessage apps, and they try to uh, update existing sections with new sticker packs. So, for example, there's a section called Keep It Weird, which is one of our favorites, where Apple features this weird, odd... I don't know how to describe them, uh, sticker packs. And they're constantly adding new packs to this section. But also, for example, if you go this week, you will find that Giphy has launched this initiative. I think it's called Giphy Arts. And it's uh, a collection of 12 sticker packs from 12 different artists. And they're all featured by Apple. So Apple tweeted them with the App Store account and they're also on the front page of the iMessage App Store. But besides this, like I said, every week, if you go on Tuesday or if you go on Fridays, you will, f- you will likely find new entries in the new stickers we love section or new sections like the Giphy Arts one. For example, when it was Valentine's Day, there was a Valentine's Day section uh, for, you know, love-themed stickers. So I feel like Apple is doing a good enough job there. Uh, and also they're actually featuring and promoting... Um, iMessage apps and iMessage sticker packs on Twitter with the App Store account, but also on the App Store itself. So if you go to the App Store, you know, the standard one, uh, and you scroll the front page, you will find iMessage apps and stickers there as well. So you don't need to go to the iMessage App Store to find or install stickers. That said, so we, we disagree a little on the amount of curation that Apple is doing. But I feel like the points about... Um, you know, the the user experience of the iMessage app drawer and using stickers is completely 100% right. Uh, it takes too many taps to open the app drawer and it takes just too much time to explain to people how it works. And the differences between, oh, this is an iOS app that contains an iMessage component or this is an iMessage-only app, so if you download it from the App Store, you actually won't find it on the home screen. You need to look into messages, but, you know, there's no actual way to launch the iMessage app from the App Store. That drives me mad. That's so slow. Why put them in the App Store if I then have to go to the other App Store to install them? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So, there are, you know, he has a very, very good breakdown of all the taps that it takes to navigate the iMessage UI. So with this being said, I wanted to ask you, um, we're, what, six months, maybe more, into iOS 10 officially. Um, How do you find yourselves using the iMessage App Store? Do you still buy and download sticker packs? Have you used other kinds of iMessage apps beyond stickers? Or did the novelty effect just wear off uh, months ago? 
I think for me, the novelty is really worn off. I, I still send uh, stickers. I send them mostly to the two of you. But I feel like the sticker packs that I am using and have have really stabilized, that I kind of have what I like, and I haven't really been exploring much past that. And a lot of the big reason is that, you know, the the design and the UX of, of finding them and downloading them and managing them is just really clunky and... I don't really feel a big need to like go in there and try to find new stuff all of the time. Uh, and and for me, like the inability to sync those apps across devices has only hurt this, that I kind of have my iPhone set up with the packs that I want and like the one app that I use that we can talk about. But uh, my iPad has like sort of the same ones, but they sort of scattershot and yep. uh, I haven't really sat down with like both devices and made them all the same. And that's really so frustrating. I, every now and then I'm like, I look for a pack. I was like, oh, it's not there. So then I have to yep. go through my purchases and download all the recent packs that I've been enjoying. And and, and it yeah. does make it so I'm like less likely to maybe install a pack to try it out. Cause I'm like, because then I have to, like, if I'm on my iPads, like, well, then I'm going to have to put it on my iPhone. And it's really annoying. Like, I would say for me that my experience with stickers is exactly as I expected it would be. I use them all the time. I think it's hilarious. It's so much more expressive than uh, emoji or text because you get to do silly things with them. Um, and I install new packs relatively frequently. Like I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm doing it every day, but like maybe every week I'll get a new one. It really helps that I know John Voorhees because John puts <laughs> together the majority of the sticker stuff for Club Max stories. So yes. like maybe what, one day every week, John will like just destroy my iMessage uh, and then I'll pick up a pack that, that of his that, that he's recommended and then I'll grab those and I'll use them. But I do really love the sticker pack and I spend money on them. Like, I, but, you know, I, I'm cool with it. Like, and as Steven said, like, I have a few that I've really kind of like, they're like my mainstays. Like, I'll put, a, I'll put a links in the show notes to a couple of my favorites. Um, like, for example, the Happy Toast pack, uh, Ragtag Classic, Pusheen, and the <laughs> Make It Rain. Like, they yeah. are like just <laughs> super mainstays for me. And of course, the Relay FM ones, because a sticker of yourself is very useful to have. It, uh, I recommend people make their own stickers of themselves. You can, it's, it's very good to, to just to drop your own little character all over the place. So, yeah, uh-huh. I, I use stickers all the time. And there is an app um, that we should point out um, that you can basically give it like images and it makes your own stickers. Uh, it is called Sticker Book. So I have one, uh, listeners may know, of the uh, blah, blah, car little oh, no. guy. Uh, no. very frightening looking. And so sometimes I drop that and I message. Uh, so you can make your own pretty easily. You don't have to like do the whole Xcode thing. But um, yeah, I just feel like it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, just, I feel like it, there was a lot of excitement around it at first and it sort of leveled off. What I don't use is apps. Yeah, yeah, especially for apps. I mean, and Apple is really trying here, I think, at least in terms of promotion. There's always, um, you know, when they update the iMessage App Store, when they update the App Store, they always update both the stickers, so the featured uh, sticker packs, and the iMessage apps. And there are some cool ideas, right? Like, I don't know, sharing music or playing games. Um, There are you know, like calendar apps, for example. You know, remember in my iOS 10 review, I imagined this one, two, three, uh, tree planner from mm-hmm. developer Mike Hurley, which is uh, a guy called just like you, Mike. Uh, it's funny, and yeah, it, 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 it's Mike with an I, not with a you know l- like yours. But uh, and he lives in Scotland, not in in not in London, and he makes apps. 
so uh, you know they they are, those apps actually exist now. So you know like agenda planners, calendar apps in in iMessage, those are possible, but it's just it's a combination of they're too difficult to use. They're too limited because you know you can actually you know with the whole system of sharing message bubbles and you know limited interactions within a conversation uh, and the fact that it, they're too hard to discover i feel like the usage isn't taking off as much as apple was hoping so i don't think apple is you know backing away from the idea of an app store inside iMessage if anything i think and i hope that they will make it easier to you know, for developers to make apps that, you know, interact with users in a conversation and for users to access those apps. The only um, aspect that is doesn't convince me we're going to see these changes soon if, is if it took us seven, probably more years to see any kind of change to the home screen. Are we going to get any change for the iMessage home screen for apps and stickers? Uh, maybe because maybe, you know, people use stickers, you know, and care about stickers more than icons on a home screen. Uh, but the, you know, Apple, let's just say Apple doesn't make great app launchers. And yeah. the, iMessage, the iMessage app drawer is another example, you know. Anytime, <laughs> anytime Apple makes a launcher, it's not so great, whether it's the home screen or launchpad or split view. They, they need to hire more app launcher people. That's I, th- I think they will make some changes in 11 to make it better just because there are some really easy routes to make it better, right? Like just how we were talking about the syncing between devices, um, the, the way that you install sticker packs and stuff, like all of that stuff, it seems like the, the theory behind what you should do is, is easy to see. I mean, you know, practicalities mm-hmm. are different, right? But you can see like, oh, this should be better. So I expect that... With time, and once things grow out, they see how people are using them, they understand the flaws, right, which you maybe can't see in the bubble of when there's only two packs, right, before it launches. So I have faith that, that there will be some improvements there to make it to make it a, a better experience with, like, the way that things are installed and managed, I think. But the, the app stuff is just, it's just not really materialized to be very useful to me. There's, there's only one app that I use, which is the same app that Steven uses. <laughs> Game Pigeon. Game yes. Pigeon. Everybody loves Game Pigeon. Me and Stephen uh, frequently pay, play pool in Game Pigeon. And you always win. I, I wondered if you knew this. Uh, I've never mentioned this, but I am undefeated with with you. And I didn't really? know if you knew that. Yeah, I've been keeping track. Oh. You've never beat me at pool. Uh, I'm done playing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like The, the apps just haven't, uh, haven't really been a big deal for me. And... and I, I really don't know why that is. Um, I just they haven't really solved anything that I that I needed like a, a hole in my workflow. Yeah. Um, uh, we should say the chat room is going crazy about uh, iMessage on the Mac. Uh, the apps yes. aren't coming right. Like they're, they're iOS apps that they're not going to run on the Mac unless something uh, crazy happens. Um, stickers are the same way, really. That even though they're just images, they are bundled in apps. And maybe there's a way for Apple to make those cross-platform somehow since they really are just folders of PNGs like once you get down into it. But I don't see that being a super high priority. Um, if anything, and maybe we'll see the iMessage effects come to the Mac right now. The only one that works on the Mac is if you send me something in like the, what is it called, like the secret one where you have to like scrub your finger over it to Invisible read it. Invisible link? 
that works on the Mac with the cursor, but like none of the others come through. It just says, you know, in, in parentheses, you know, sent with lasers. So I don't know how big of a importance that is to Apple at this point um, that the Mac is sort of behind mm-hmm. iOS in that regard. I think one of the big problems for me, at, at least in the way that the apps have kind of materialized, is they are too tied in to messages. Like, I find it frustrating that to confirm my my action in the application, I have to send it as a message. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just weird. Like, I, I feel like that the apps, if they really are going to work, they should be, like, collaborative and active within the message window. Right. As opposed to it being this, like, to and throw between people. It, it, that, I think that's where it doesn't work for me. The problem... You're 100% right. Apple went with this framework based on the idea of a message session and message bubbles. And so there are so many constraints for developers on what they can actually do with the bubble itself. And all of those confirmation steps are... Apple made them so they're by design because they're so... You know, Apple likes to be so uh, sure about, you know, user interaction, confirming that you want to share data with others. Mm -hmm. And... I feel like it, I appreciate that Apple makes it so secure. I mean, developers cannot even access the you know uh, the names of people in a conversation, just some alphanumerical IDs. Um, so there are a bunch of limitations. Those are by designs to ensure privacy and all that. But there are also other things that I feel like they should be on a technical level. Does they don't deal with user? details or you know usernames and and that aspect of privacy it should be more there should be more flexibility for apps to display you know like custom message bubbles for example or to do animations to do additional buttons in the ui of a conversation instead of having to tap to reveal the ui but otherwise it's just a bubble so this uh, being stuck of everything's a message bubble I feel like that's one of the biggest problems at a technical level for uh, the iMessage app framework. Do you think that they're going to make it better? Do you think this might be something like keyboards where it kind of just stays stuck for yeah, a while? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, it's kind of like USB-C, really. I'm 50-50 on this. I, I don't know because I can see how iMessage is a bigger deal than custom keyboards. You know, uh, a lot of people use iMessage and I... You know, every time a new celebrity makes one of those emoji sticker packs, yeah, uh, they shoot up in the in the top charts. So people are buying them. People are buying stickers, and you can see this with celebrities. You can see this with sticker um, stickers by Disney. Um, but I don't know if Apple cares enough. You know, they did the basic groundwork. It works just like custom keyboards. So we'll just leave it untouched for the next three to four years. So I don't know. I hope they do differently than what they did with custom keyboards because iMessage is much more popular, much more, you know, uh, pop culture than, uh, you know, Text Expander. I mean, I love Text Expander, but just, you know, you, you don't go on Ellen to talk about snippets. Um, so <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe it'll be different this time. This week's episode is brought to you by Away. 
Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. And that's why Away makes premium suitcases with fantastic features for under $300. Just go to awaytravel.com slash connected and you'll be able to peruse Away's collection of suitcases all made of premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst still remaining lightweight. Away offers four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large. I really love the simplicity of those names. Like, you're not going to get mixed up as what one you're buying. And they have nine fantastic colors for you to choose from as well. The interior of an Away suitcase features a patent-pending compression system, which is incredibly helpful if you're an overpacker. Away's carry-on are compliant with all major U.S. airlines as well, while still maximizing the amount you can pack so you'll be able to fit it in the overhead. All Away cases feature four 360-degree spinner wheels, four wheels is so much better than two if you've never used a four-wheel suitcase you are missing out like it is more than double the better they have tsa combination locks built right in and a removable wash washable laundry bag as well so it's built right in so you can just put your uh, washable laundry in and then it keeps separated from the rest of the stuff in your case if you're traveling but personally, my single favorite feature of my Away case, uh, the carry-on case that I have, is that it comes with an integrated USB power brick. Both sizes of the carry-on that Away do feature USB ports right in the top, so you can charge your needed devices whilst traveling. A single, single charge of the Away carry-on battery can provide enough charge for you to charge your iPhone five times, so you'll never be without power again when you're on your trip. I've got a bunch of travel coming up over the next couple of months, and I'm very happy that I have one of these away cases because when I need that extra bag for my carry-on or I'm just going on a short trip and just need carry-on stuff, this is the perfect case for me. I could fit so much stuff in it. The compression straps have like a built-in laptop or iPad case. So you can put that right in there. You can fit a ton of stuff in there, and you also have the power of that battery whenever you need it. Away believes in the quality of their products, so they give a lifetime guarantee on their cases. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. They also have a 100-day trial. Live with it, travel with it, and if at any point you decide the away case isn't for you, you'll return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more about away, go to awaytravel.com slash connected, and if you use the code connected at checkout, you'll get $20 off of any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash connected, and the code connected for $20 off. You can visit away in any of their retail stores as well in New York, LA, and London. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. On this show, and especially Mike and I, we talk a lot about replacing our Macs with iPads and working from iOS. And you know, we we love working on iOS. We've been, you know, we we switched uh, many of our tasks from desktop computers to you know just do it on the on the iPad. But I've seen a lot of people um, lately just fall into the trap of thinking that the iPad is perfect and that uh, people who use Macs are, you know, they they don't know better, that, you know, they're using Macs because they're old and stupid. And I don't think that's true. Um, I'm, ju- I'm just... No, I being, agree. It's not true. It is not true. It's, you know, uh, we, we try to say... Uh, very frequently that uh, we completely understand why some folks need to work on a Mac, why some other people need to work on a Windows PC. And it's completely reasonable, I think. Um, And I just find it funny that we went from, you know, um, trying to prove a point that uh, it is possible for some people like us to do a lot of work on the iPad to having the arrogance of some to say that, you know, Macs are for 
uh, folks who don't know, uh, you know, who have no idea what they're missing, just assuming that other people and telling them what computer they should be using and assuming they don't know themselves. With that said, I felt it would be nice to trying to do the reverse of what we usually do and pick two aspects of where iOS is still behind the Mac and where the Mac can do things that iOS cannot. And, you know, because I, I, I felt like a lot of people wouldn't expect that from Mike and I. So <laughs> We've been very nice to the Mac today, I think. In general, you know, we have, we have, and I, and I just wanted to kind of highlight how we're not blind to the argument that you know a lot of people make, uh, even in the chat room when we record the show, that they cannot use an iPad for X and X reasons. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do round robin style, obviously. of course, obviously, yes. and we're gonna do two aspects of iOS lagging behind the Mac each. I'll go first. And um, and this can be, you know, whether it's about a specific app or a specific system feature, it doesn't matter. Uh, the first aspect that I picked is there are not enough power user email clients that allow you to customize the experience as you can on the Mac. So on the Mac, you have Apple Mail, which packs a lot of, um, whether it's in the preferences or, you know, hidden behind right-clicking the interface, for example. It packs a lot of uh, customization features and also advanced features. You can create smart folders, you can customize the toolbar, you can, you know, uh, you can do saved searches, you can personalize so many aspects of the Apple Mail experience. But on the Mac, you also get these more advanced um, Plugins for Apple Mail, for example. Um, I think one is called Mail Butler, maybe. Uh, but there's also apps like MailMate, for example, that allow you to have this custom, you know, very power user-oriented approach to email management. And on iOS, I feel like a lot of the modern email clients are just trying to, don't want to say copy, but to be very <laughs> eerily inspired by Mailbox and trying to do just the bare minimum work to resemble Mailbox. Or Sparrow, even. Or Sparrow. Yeah, good memory. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, always. Uh, without trying to go beyond uh, you know, the traditional feature set of the modern iOS email client. So if you think of the modern iOS email app, you think of snoozing, you think of custom gestures, maybe some 3D touch here and there, maybe an, IMS, uh, an iPad uh, component. But it, th those apps usually don't have all of the features of an email client on the Mac. And I'm going to be very specific here. For example, if you, if you are a Sanebox user, uh, so you deal with mailboxes for uh, newsletters and unimportant messages, or really if you're just any kind of user who uses folders for, to manage their email, on iOS, you're going to have a hard time to find an email client that allows you to uh, for example, mark some mailboxes as, fa as favorites and put them in a you know in a more important position in the sidebar, or to assign custom colors to those favorites, or to 
customize the archiving experience so that when you archive a message that is already in a folder, it doesn't go back to the inbox, but it goes into all mail. You know, if you use Gmail, you're going to be familiar with this problem. Now, it is possible. There are some, you know, you can do you can do favorite mailboxes in Apple Mail, and you can do favorites, gestures, and colors in AirMail. But the more I think about it, the more it feels like AirMail is the only option for power users, and I would love to have more options, and I would love to have, you know, different approaches to power user email on iOS. Because AirMail is fantastic, and I love the app, but it's it doesn't have the most polished interface, and it's not as fast or as glitch-free as I would like it to be. I would love to have an app that is as polished as Apple Mail and as powerful as AirMail, but that's not possible yet. And I, I continue to try email clients on a regular basis. Uh, Newton could be uh, uh, an interesting contender, but you know they they lack several of these features that I mentioned. And uh, and I feel like these apps, you know, Gmail, Outlook, email by easily do. Uh, there are so many. They tend to have the same basic feature set. Well, every email client likes to do snoozing these days, uh, but they don't go, you know, the extra mile to be more like an email client on the Mac. And I feel like whenever I. I have to do some more complex email management that isn't really complex if you talk to any Mac user. I need to go through so many hoops on iOS or I just need to use AirMail. But, you know, I'd like to have more choice. Yeah, I see what you're saying, right? Because I think a lot of the mindset that people take these days when they're creating apps like this is to try and make them simple, right? To try and do a lot of things for you. I, I don't want simple. <laughs> exactly. This is one of the applications where I think you can go super granular, which is why I like Airmail, because it is the most of all of them, right? Like it yeah. has like a million settings, but an email mm-hmm. application, I want a million settings, right? That, that is like the one type of app that I can think of where I want to get super granular over the way that I do things. Email is definitely one of them. So I'm going to go with an easy one for my first pick. Like it's it's an obvious one, but just the way that audio is dealt with on iOS is so frustrating. Like all I want to be able to do is to have a Skype call and record it. Yeah, it would be amazing <laughs> if I could get it in one place. I would obviously ideally like two places, right? Like I can have on the Mac, right? I'm recording with Ecamm Call Recorder and Audio Hijack for redundancy right now. Basically, I can't ever feel comfortable moving to an iOS workflow for recording podcasts until i can do this because i need the redundancy like i have had enough times where like a recording has failed and i want to have it in two places because if i lose it well that's gone now and i i really just want to see ios become more capable when it comes to dealing with audio streams through applications please do not send me links to that thing you know what i'm talking about that came with garage band that like spec where you could have audio being oh, recorded. Yeah. Oh no! I don't want. I know about it. No one supports it, so don't send me it. I'm not interested. Uh, we need like Apple needs to create just a new framework for the way the audio is dealt, so applications can take control of it. And it's not about Skype having the ability to record. It's other apps being able to record Skype. That's what needs to happen. Right. So. Yep, I totally agree with you. Uh, so mine, I'm actually stealing one from you because I ran into it just a couple of nights ago, 
which is better rich tech support. So <laughs> I wasn't going to say it one today because I've said it so many times. No. But, so I'm pleased that you picked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it burned me down the other night where I was trying to copy an outline from notes uh, into mail, I think, yeah, or into airmail. Mm-hmm. And basically it just stripped all the formatting away. So it's like yeah. just a bunch of text. Like that's not at all what I want. And apps have to implement different controls for outlines, bold, italics, etc. And things really break down if you try to move a lot of text around. Mike, the example you always use, I'm copying stuff from Google Sheets into an email and I just get the contents of the cell, but no structure from the cell. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's not really at all uh, what I wanted. So it's really twofold. I mean, that's a way to do it. <laughs> it's not the way that anybody expects. <laughs> Come on, don't right. you want minimalism in your, in your uh, spreadsheets, Mike? <laughs> one app at a time. Uh, so... F- for me, it's twofold. It's that sort of support that if I copy something, you need to retain the formatting. Uh, on the Mac, it does that, and you can also paste uh, without formatting. Paste as plain text on the Mac, where I just get the content of the cells, for instance, and not the structure of them. So on the Mac, you have both options, and I think that it would be, you know, have the def- you know pick whichever one is the default, and then have the other one in that pop up, so I can say you know paste with or without formatting would be mm-hmm. really nice. And, and the, the the flip side of it is that all these apps do it differently, right? So if you look at just note-taking apps, if you look at uh, Bear, Evernote, and Notes, they all have different implementations for creating outlines and for, for stylizing text. And Google Docs has its own. Like, that should be standardized. And mm-hmm. it's it's a little bananas to me that it's been so long and it hasn't been. My next um, complaint, really, is about downloading files or saving web pages with Safari on iOS. So I love Safari, and I don't use Google Chrome. I, I really I really do think Safari and Apple Notes are two of Apple's best apps on iOS. But uh, I have a problem every time I need to download the file. Um, there's no download manager interface on iOS. So on the Mac, when you download something, yeah, it goes into the downloads pop-up in Safari. So you can view the progress, you can view the download speeds, and all that. And you can actually click a button to reveal the download in the Finder. There's no download manager interface on iOS. There's no single location for downloading files. Apple made some improvements with iOS 10. So now when you click a link to to a zip file, for example... The the address bar in Safari, uh, the the blue progress bar, that will reflect the download progress. But there's no actual information about the fi- the download size of a file. You don't get any message, so you just tap a link, and then you you're like, oh, okay, I guess it is downloading now. Maybe uh, eventually, after the download is complete, you get this uh, screen with the with an opening menu and with the option to open the file in one of the apps that you have installed. Uh, so I can live with that, I guess. Uh, but one of my biggest problems is I cannot save um, web pages as HTML sources in Safari on iOS. Um, the other day, uh, so we're looking to update the free sample that we provide people on the you know for the Club Max Stories newsletter. Uh, we have a free sample that you can read online right now, but it's from issue five, I think nearly two years ago. And I wanted to download one of my most recent issues and 
convert it to HTML, make some adjustments to the to the uh, to the web page, and send it to my developers so that we could update the free sample. So I was in Safari. I was looking at this newsletter's uh, web view on the Mailchimp website, and I realized, well, I cannot save this to HTML on iOS. And I know I could have done it in a bunch of ways. I could have. ICAD probably, right? Like, I'm sure probably, ICAD has, probably has, has everything. Probably <laughs> ICAB, but it was just, I needed that file quickly. There was Sylvia next to me working on her MacBook Pro, and I was like, look, I'm going to airdrop you a link. Can you just open the page and oh, save it to HTML? That's heartbreak, man. I know, but it just, I, I needed to... I, I know. And, you know, coming from me, I guess it's going to be a surprise, but it just, I realized... I was just, I needed that file in a few seconds. I didn't want to go, you know, start a new research on, okay, let's look at what app can download a web page for me. You know, because it could have been a 30-minute rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. you know, there and then. Uh, So I was like... Teacher, we're losing all our cred today, man. I'm just being honest. You know, because people have this idea of me being, I don't know, the savior of the iPad. It's just, no, I, I... I stumble upon the same problems as, you know, every other person trying to work from the iPad. But it's one thing to admit it and another to pretend that everything's fine, the iPad is perfect, the iPad is great. It is great. I love it, but it has problems. And, uh, you know, this is the uh, one of the problems, you know, downloading stuff. I could use apps, and I know uh, I recommended those apps... Uh, for example, Documents by Riddle as a download UI. Textastic probably could have handled the download for me or iCab or Pythonista or Workflow. There are a bunch of options, but it should be a default and it should be easy for everyone. There are some things you shouldn't need an app for. That is something uh, I'm going to break the round, Robin, for a second. That that What you just said sums up so much frustration, I think, a lot of people feel about iPad productivity. That it's one thing for the three of us, really the three of us to say, oh, just use Workflow for this or just download iCab. And that's fine. And that stuff is there for those of us who know that it's there and who want to pursue that. But there's so much just simple stuff in iOS that should be there um, that isn't. Like, I mean, downloading some Safari is like the best example I can think of of this. Like, people need to do that. And Apple has not solved that problem for them yet. And maybe they never will. Maybe they haven't gotten to it. You can never tell. But I think that's where a lot of people sort of get frustrated with wanting to move to an iPad or even hearing how the two of you have done it. Well, that's fine for them because they know how to use workflow. But the rest of us mere mortals can't do it. Um, and I, so I like that we're doing this today to help deal with that because I think it's a, it's a complaint that we see in our emails, a complaint that we hear. And I think it's I think it's a fair one a lot of the time. But, uh, but yeah, so I think, Mike, I think you're up next. On my Mac, I use spaces a lot because I like to have like corresponding applications grouped together just so I know where they are, right? Like, just so it makes sense to me. Like I have the stuff that I'm using for recording on one space. I have like Twitter and Slack on another space. I would love to be able to have these types of defaults in iOS. So like if I activated the multitasking menu, I could have a bar at the top, which is common pairings of applications that I have suggested. So, like, I could tap a button and Notes and Chrome would just open side by side next to each other. So, like, I didn't have to go through the dance of opening one application and then opening another application. Like, I just want to be able to have a UI which is 
like an iOS version of Spaces, where I could just bring up the application pairings that I use frequently. Like it's, it, I don't want like window management, right? Because I, I prefer the iOS way of doing things, mm-hmm. but I do miss like having the shortcuts or just like things being in the same place like they are on the Mac. And if I could have something uh, on iOS, which was like a bridge between those two things, that would make me very happy. Yeah, totally. I can see that. Because you don't want the complexity of, you know, resizing windows. I, g- I generally don't like the idea that is going around lately of let's bring overlapping windows to the iPad. Yeah, I, I really I don't, don't like that. Mm-hmm. But I would love to have easier multitasking management for multiple things at the same time. Maybe even three apps at the same time on the iPad Pro. I could see that. I just don't want to manage, you know, resizing from the corners or overlapping stuff. But I totally get that. And I totally agree. That would be awesome. It'd be cool. Uh, so mine is, is actually related to, to yours, Federico, on, on downloading. And mine is just having a place to stick files temporarily. So a, a workflow that I do a lot on my Mac, I mean multiple times a week, sometimes every day of the week, is uh, I keep up with the expenses for Relay. So anytime we pay our hosts or we pay uh, our web hosting company or a developer or a designer uh, – my end of the business is to pay those people and then to make sure that those records are entered into FreshBooks, which is the system that we use. Uh, we use them long before they were a sponsor or so. And that workflow is really simple on my Mac. I take the email receipt that I get, or, you know, a lot of these places will, you know, you pay somebody and you can download a PDF receipt right there on the web page. Uh, I'll either create or save that PDF onto my desktop. I'll go to FreshBooks, I'll, I'll enter the expense, and I will attach that PDF receipt to the expense. So I have a paper trail of the money that I'm spending out of the company. Like I said, I do this all the time. And I do it on my Mac because it's it's much faster and much easier. Now, you can create a PDF uh, on iOS from a bunch of different ways. You can do it from the print screen if you know the really stupid, like, hidden PDF uh, make button thing that you have to, like, what is it? You have to force touch on the iPhone or, like, squeeze in on, on iOS, like, Make it a button, Apple. Just make it a stupid button. Uh, if you use Airmail, if you use other other apps, you can do it a bunch of different ways. You can use Workflow to create a PDF. Um, but then you have to stick it somewhere. So you can create a PDF, and then you could upload it to iCloud Drive. So in my iCloud Drive, I have a folder called Temp, where if I do this sort of thing, uh, I have a place to stick it. Uh, you could put it on Dropbox. But it's a lot of dancing around. It's a lot of making the PDF, putting it in a document provider, going to the browser attaching the thing, going back to the document provider. If you're not using iCloud, you have to tell it, no, I don't want iCloud, I want it in Dropbox. And it's all very clumsy. And it's something that, for something that I do so often, uh, that speed is super important. So I can do it on my Mac much faster because I'm not, I can just put it on the desktop and I know where it is in the file system. And I'm not saying Apple should put a file system on iOS. Uh, I think the document picker just needs to be better and to be faster and to have the option for local storage that, hey, you know what? I don't want to wait for iCloud Drive to pull this in. Uh, I don't want to wait for Dropbox to sync. I just want to put it in this folder for like four seconds so I can go put it somewhere else. And that sort of like local cache, like I don't need Finder. You could do that in the document uh, provider interface. Just give me a local option that's fast. And uh, that would definitely... Uh, especially coupled with PDF creation, which has like been built into OS X since day one, because fun fact, all the graphics in OS X are powered by PDF, and 
that's all been built in for the Mac for a long time. And so, so making PDFs being faster, getting to them faster uh, in a file system would, would definitely make my life uh, on the iPad a lot better. So there you go. Ooh, Nothing's perfect, including iOS. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected. If you'd like to find our show notes, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 132. If you want to find Federico online, he is at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and at MacStories.net. Uh, Steven is at 512pixels.net, and he is at ISMH on Twitter, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors this week for supporting the show. That's Away, Casper, and Squarespace. And most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.